Amen. Let us open to the Word of God for this morning. We are in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and that's page 1268 in the blue ESV Bibles. Page 1268, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, we will begin reading at verse 8. And we'll be looking mostly at verses uh, 14 to 26. We'll make a little bit of reference back to verses 12 and 13. So let us begin our reading at 2 Timothy 2, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, Bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, He will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal, The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, having nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, 
and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So far, the reading, the grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our Lord endures forever. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the apostle does not use the words toilet paper in this text. Of course, there was no toilet paper in first century A.D. Rome. But as we will see, the apostle gives us an image which takes us in that direction, as well as other images, such as that word gangrene, which still means the same thing, still speaks of the same ugly disease, painful disease. And it is with images like these that the Apostle Paul puts a vivid picture before us of what false teaching is and what false teaching leads to. The false teaching which teachers like Timothy and hearers must together be united against. There must together be an endurance within the church, both of faithful preachers and faithful hearers, against the false teachings that come from one age to the next, from one city to the next. And so, brothers and sisters, our theme as we look at some of these striking pictures from the Apostle and this text as a whole, our theme continued from last Sunday, this, this chapter on preachers and hearers. Our theme is this, to endure in the teaching and hearing of the Christ-centered gospel. And we're going to look in our first point at the disease of false teaching and then at the dishonor of false teaching and then at the deliverance from false teaching. Well, brothers and sisters, coming into verse 14, we see that the hearers in the church in Ephesus, they come directly uh, into view, speaking about uh, the false teaching and the false teaching that Timothy must stand against. Uh, what, what is false teaching? It is something which does no good, the end of verse 14, but only ruins the hearers. And then as the Apostle Paul continues, perhaps thinking about his uh, friend Luke the physician, he comes to the illustration in verse 17 of gangrene. What is, what is gangrene? Well, it is a disease which, which darkens the skin. It makes the skin uh, black with death, and it often happens in the extremities. And so a person might have, have two, two feet, and one is black with gangrene and death and, and, and no blood flow and the other one is healthy and, and sanguine and, and looks as it should. And that's the, that's the picture that the apostle gives. That's the difference between false teaching and true teaching. And to this day, uh, gangrene is, is such a dangerous disease and, and a disease that to this day is, you can often have no treatment for it except for amputation. You, you, you have to cut off the disease before it spreads to this day that is still the treatment at times 
That's the picture that the apostle gives to us. On the one hand, there is uh, there is healthy and sound teaching, and on the other hand, there is this teaching of of gangrene. It is it is blackness. It is it is darkness. It is death. It is something which must be removed before it spreads. But now, brothers and sisters, as we have that picture before us, what uh, what kind of teaching is the Apostle speaking of? Well, we're speaking here about the very gospel being at stake. Look again at the start of verse 14. Remind them of these things. Remind them. What are we to remember? Well, that goes back to verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ. We're talking about a false teaching where the very essence of the gospel is at stake. Where there would be those who would stand for the word of truth rightly handling the end of verse 15, the word of truth. And that's in contrast to irreverent babble and ungodliness, verse 16. We're not speaking about disagreements on difficult and particular questions. We're talking about a case where the very essence of the gospel is at stake. There are those who would remember Jesus Christ and there are those who would teach against Jesus Christ. And so there is a denial of essential truths. There is a failure to remember uh, true teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's another specific error mentioned that they deny the bodily resurrection by saying that it has already happened. We see that in verse 18. The false teachers say the resurrection has already happened. Most likely this means that they deny a physical resurrection at all. So they say something like this. Uh, the, the, The body is bad, the spirit is good, and there's already a spiritual resurrection. Therefore, that's it. There is no more resurrection. They deny the bodily resurrection. In other words, they have taken the Christian faith and they have made it a dead faith. They deny the living resurrection. They deny the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ and the bodily resurrection that all believers will have. This is, this is the kind of thing which is at stake. And so, in this context... We have the image of gangrene and death against an image of life. And there's another image right here at the start of the text as well. It is the image of straight teaching versus swerving teaching. We see the the word swerved. We see uh, that in verse 18, the false teachers, Hymenaeus and Philetus, they have swerved from the truth. And the word straight is is uh, lost in translation, but it's there at the end of verse 15. The rightly handling the word of truth could be translated a, a straight handling of the word of truth. And so, um, brothers and sisters, let's step back and let's consider that Hymenaeus was mentioned in 1 Timothy. In other words, this is an ongoing issue. The same false teacher must be mentioned by name again. And sadly, that is how false teaching often comes. 
the false teaching of our own generation, things such as the teaching that God is all love and no justice, no holiness. That kind of false teaching, it's an ongoing issue. It continues. It does not just go away. True teachers and true hearers must be united together in endurance against the false teaching of our own age, of our own place. We need to stand against it. We need to love the straight word, the rightly handled word of truth. Even though, what does the straight word do? It pierces straight to our own hearts. And when we consider all that the word says to us, it pierces straight to our own sins and takes us straight to the only Savior, the only way, truth, and life, Jesus Christ. And that is what must be proclaimed. That is what we must hear. And that is what we must love to hear. Because there's always going to be swerving words. Swerving words that say, you can go off this direction. You can go off that direction. You can hear whatever message you like. You can do basically whatever you like. Will we love healthy teaching? Will we love the straight word? It's the responsibility of teachers and hearers to stand against false teaching. Because if we would swerve with it, if we would go for that hearing, it only does what? It only ruins the hearers. It is like gangrene. We need Christ. We need the straight word that takes us to Christ. And then, brothers and sisters, we come to this truth that what do we say when there's all this swerving? What do we say when hearers like that swerving? What do we say when Hymenaeus is there in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and sometime later, maybe years later, he's still here in 2 Timothy chapter 2? And what do we say to those who love that swerving teaching? What is the answer? What do you do? The answer is in verse 19. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. God's church will have to stand against false and swerving teaching going off in one direction or another from one generation to the next. But God will preserve his church. God will always be building his church. And from one generation to another, everyone who repents, everyone who names the name of the Lord as he has revealed himself and departs from iniquity, there is salvation even if you've been swerving along with false ideas and, and anything else, even for a long time, there is always, as long as we are here on this earth, the path of repentance 
There is always salvation in Jesus Christ. And so let's desire that word of truth and name the name of the Lord departing from iniquity and coming to his straight path and his straight word. Well, brothers and sisters, let's come then to our second point. There are other images also in this text. The image of verse 20 to 21 is a little bit difficult for us to grasp at first because the apostle uses the image of a great house. He uses the image of a wealthy house because in ancient Rome, uh, you didn't have that many vessels. You didn't have that many objects to even make the illustration make sense in, in a poor house. But if you think of a great house in ancient Rome, okay, now we can picture things that have a, a great and beautiful and honorable use. And we can also picture things that have a dishonorable use. And so there is the silver and gold that has the honorable use. And this is contrasted with wood and clay, which has a dishonorable use. Now, let's just think about some of the ways that wood or clay might be used in ancient Rome. So just to give one example, a a chamber pot in a great and wealthy house might be made out of clay. Or they didn't have plastic trash bags. Your trash can, your collection of waste to eventually be thrown out, that might be a roughly put together clay pot. Or uh, what about um, something like toilet paper? What was ancient Roman toilet paper? Well, it, it, it was a stick with a sponge on the end. So it was a wooden object with a little bit of um, with a little bit of softening at the end that was that was ancient Roman toilet paper especially in a, in a great house in a wealthy house that's what it would look like and so what is what is the Apostle Paul saying well he's already used the image of gangrene this black foot compared with a healthy foot and now he's using the image of well let's let's take it into 21st century terms because right? it's really hard for us to picture a stick being part of toilet paper. So let's take it into 21st century terms. Somebody walks into the room and holds up the most beautiful cup in your house, filled with your favorite drink. That's in one hand. And in the other hand, they have uh, a dirty piece of used toilet paper. And they say, look, these two things are the same. There's no difference. And we say, you are insane. These two things are not the same. Yes, but they're in the same house. Look, they're in the same house. They must be the same thing. And we say, no, they are not the same thing. Well, in first century AD terms, that's the picture that the apostle is giving to us. Remember, what is the context we are in? We are in the context of the house of faith. We're in the context of false teachers who claim to be teaching in the name of Jesus Christ even though they do not remember Jesus Christ, even though they do not remember the essence of the gospel. And as is so often the case, where there is wrong doctrine, there will also be some kind of celebration of wrong practice. And so these are false teachers who, 
In contrast to Timothy, who must flee youthful passions, verse 22, in some way, these false teachers are saying youthful passions are fine. Now, we're not told exactly how they say that. We get more detail about their false doctrine than we do about their false practice. But in some way, they're putting together false doctrine and false practice. And, and that is how it happens again and again and again. That is, that, is the direct, that is what false teaching almost always looks like. What does it look like today? Right? Today, it's the false teaching of God is all love. God is no holiness or justice. And so God says, as long as you say that you love me, you're in a relationship with me, you gather in some house that calls itself a church at least once in a while, it does not matter what you do. Do you. Be yourself. Celebrate whatever you want to celebrate. Even be proud of sin. Right? That's the 21st century version. What are they doing? They're saying, look, we're in God's house. Look at the two things I'm holding. There's no difference. There's no difference. You can serve the master, Jesus Christ, however you want. But the sane hearer, knowing the word of God, loving the law of God, will look and will say, no, those two things are not the same. I cannot just do my own thing. I cannot just pursue my own pleasure. I cannot pick up any dirt that I want, any filth that I want, and say, this is how I will serve the master of the house. Verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Now, brothers and sisters, the point of this is not to come away saying, well, look, I'm a beautiful cup full of a wonderful drink and everyone else is a used piece of toilet paper. No. The, what is the bigger context? Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I am chief. We are all filthy sinners. And it's only in remembering Jesus Christ, chapter 1, verse 8, who is both our Savior and our King, it's only in remembering Him that we then say, I want to get rid of this filth and I want to be one of his beautiful cups of service that can be used for useful and beautiful service to Jesus my master. That is the pattern of thinking that we are called to have. Remember Jesus Christ. And then, 
seek to serve Jesus, your master, as one of his honorable vessels. And let's come into our third point. Because what if one is celebrating the filth of sin, proclaiming that filth is fine? What if someone is even one of the false teachers? What is Timothy's calling in that context? He is called to minister as a gentle agent of peace. Look with me, brothers and sisters, at verse 24. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. But wait, Apostle, didn't you just say that they're celebrating filth and they're like gangrene? Shouldn't we just come in with a hammer and a saw and a trash can and get rid of everyone and everything? Shouldn't that be our reaction to false teaching? No. No. Come with a gentle and patient, courageous and straight word of correction. It is so difficult to both proclaim the straight, right word of truth and to be gentle and gracious. It is very difficult to do both of those things. None of us does both of those things the way we should. Maybe some of us are better at the gentleness. Maybe some of us are a little bit stronger on the straight proclamation of the courageous proclamation of the straight word. God calls us to do both, and that is a challenge. None of us are doing both of those the way we should. That's Timothy's calling. Why? The end of verse 25. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. Now, the apostle uses a word perhaps. Back in 1 Timothy, he talked about how some have a seared conscience. When somebody is living in false teaching, proclaiming false teaching, you know, from a human perspective, we don't have much hope. From for it appears that they may even have a seared conscience. But remember that God can change anyone in any context. So even standing against false teachers, Timothy is to do it with a spirit of gentleness and a hope and a prayer that God would grant them repentance. Verse 26, And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. 
in First Timothy chapter one, when Hymenaeus was first mentioned, Timothy, or the apostle Paul spoke about how he had delivered Hymenaeus over to the devil. In other words, he's from Paul's perspective, he was excommunicated. He was no longer in the sphere of the church. He was now in the sphere of the kingdom of the devil. It's still an ongoing issue, though. That false teacher still needs to be named. Why is that? Well, it's because false swerving teaching sounds good from one century to another. And people were probably still reading Hymenaeus' blog or you know, the first century A.D. version of Hymenaeus' blog. But for both the hearers who would be tempted by false teaching and for the false teachers themselves, for everyone there is always a way of repentance because remember, we are all sinners who need to remember Jesus Christ, the only righteous one. And so even in this context, even with these striking images of what false teaching is and, and, and how we should think about someone who embraces false teaching and how we should think about false teaching and, and what it is, even in this context, we have verse 19, that word about what those loving false teaching, the, the false hearers should do, let them name the name of the Lord and depart from iniquity. And we have a word about how even false teachers themselves should be corrected with gentleness so that they would be led to repentance. Powerful images of the lie of false teaching and powerful reminders of the grace of God that we all need are all right here in 2 Timothy chapter 2. There is deliverance in Jesus Christ. There is escape from all the swerving words of false teaching. Brothers and sisters, let us hear that word of grace. Let us be agents for that word of grace. Let us love the straight word of truth, which takes us straight to Jesus Christ, the righteous. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, our Lord, from one generation to the next, May we stand in the eternal truth of your word. By your grace, by your Holy Spirit within us, surely you know those who belong to you.